Learn to live on her allowance, which is ample. But if she does not, that is her problem, not mine. Just as the rug is your problem. Just as every bum's lot in life is his own responsibility, regardless of who he chooses to blame. I didn't blame anyone for the loss of my legs. Some Chinaman took them from me in Korea. But I went out and achieved anyway. <laughs> I cannot solve your problem, sir. Only you can. Oh, fuck it. Oh, fuck it. Yes, that's your answer. That's your answer to everything. Tattoo it on your forehead. Your revolution is over, Mr. Lebowski. Condolences. The bomb's lost. My advice to you is to do what your parents did. Get a job, sir. The bombs will always lose. Do you hear me, Lebowski? The bombs will always lose. How was your meeting, Mr. Lebowski? Okay. This is Gutterballs, the Lebowski Deepcast. Oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. Welcome to Incest in Space, Brad and Adam's Star Wars podcast. Providing insight. He's trying to embezzle money out of his own foundation that's supposed to help impoverished children. <laughs> He's exactly right. Commentary. I got my half and half in the bone ball. I'm going home. And conjecture. Do you see this? Do you see this everywhere? Wow. That's one for the canon of the history of film. And now, Gutterballs. All right, so here we are, live, live, this live is... to videotape. <laughs> this is episode fifteen. We're lucky, making lucky episode fifteen. We're making film history. We right are right here on videotape. We're more than ten percent through the film. More than ten, more than one tenth. Then, um, aren't we? Hundred and eighteen minutes, right? Well, we're at so. Well, this will be uh, sixteen minutes, right? One once we're finished with this, it'll be sixteen minutes through. No, right? no. Once we're finished, it'll be fifteen minutes through. Isn't this episode fifteen? Yeah. Which goes from minute fifteen to minute sixteen. Am I no. wrong? No, you're wrong. Am I wrong? You're completely wrong. It goes from episode 14 to episode 15. Damn it. Ah, you got me all excited. But even so, that's 150 minutes. Yeah. When this movie's not that long. No. So we're we're more than that, right? Yeah. At episode 11.8, we could have marked the occasion. So we're just way behind then? Marking the ten percent occasion. We are. We are. I was just thinking, you know, we're there's now a sizable chunk. Like there's like a status bar, you know, watching fill up slowly as we complete minutes. You'd actually be able to see it. It wouldn't just be like a little sliver. Right? We beat did, did we, we beat chunk? one of the bosses, basically. Yeah, we did. We beat like the first boss, I would say. That's awesome. And we didn't even know it. No. It was that easy. We just plowed right through it. Yeah, oh, that was a boss? Okay. It was like a little mosquito, like a little gnat, like flying around my head. Get the fat out of here. Watching this episode, this episode, this minute, I guess, um, 
I really thought I had nothing to say. I had that's not true. Like right. two things to say, maybe. Yes. It's one of those situations where we're looking at the same things for like the third minute now. Exactly. This is the third minute watching the big Lebowski, the titular Lebowski talking to the dude. And I right. was thinking the same thing. It's like all right, let's go review this minute and try to dredge up some stuff to talk about because we've already talked about these two for right. like three hours now, pretty much, if you <laughs> added the time of both episodes together. Right. But, but here we are. And there believe it or not, and even with all that, there's stuff from the last minute. A couple of things to say, believe it or not. So not only do we have stuff to say about this minute, but there's stuff we forgot to say about the previous minutes. We should probably do that first. We have to backtrack even and pick up a few things that we were very remiss in not mentioning in the we're, previous episode. We're going to do some revisiting. Yes. We're going to revisit episode 14. Minute 14. Right? No. Episode 14 is minute 14. It's time code 13 colon zero zero to 14 colon zero zero. I just can't get it's it in there. 14. I can't get it in there. It's hard. You have to think of the first minute is the only way. You have to calibrate yourself. Because the first minute is 0 colon 0 0 to 1 colon 0 0. Right. And that's episode 1. Starts at 0. We didn't start with episode 0. Well, it's like... Maybe we should have. You have your first birthday. Happy birthday. You're 0, man. And then people send you happy first birthday. Well, that's your second birthday. You're 2 then, right? You know, but no, somehow you're not. You're one because you're one year old, even though it's right. your second birthday. Well, it's called your first birthday, even though it's I, your I, second. I, technically, I guess it is your second. I used your to make actual... a big game of like sending happy zeroth birthday to like babies when they were born, like well, family members and deal. stuff. It's weird counting method, but the first birthday, the actual day of birth is the zeroth birthday. Which is the most important day of birth, and they don't even count it. The hell? Zero. It's just like zero. I, I guess it helps if you think of birthday as like birthday anniversary. Yeah, right. First time we're celebrating it. It's the it's, first anniversary. Right, right. First like when you get married, a year later you have your first anniversary. Right. Your first anniversary is not... Your wedding day. That's just your wedding day. That's a good right. way to look at it. I like that. Maybe that'll help me, but I doubt it. You have a lot of problems. <sighs> Revisiting. Let's do some, uh, you know, Doc Brown, Marty McFly business and go back. Yeah, what do we so got? So the one thing I wanted to mention, and I think I can just say this briefly, is one of the things I love about the dude and is how... He simply, many times, just repeats back the last word of whatever someone said to him. He does do that. In this case, the titular Lebowski says, Are you employed? (laughs) And he just looks puzzled. And he goes, Employed? You just say it back with a question mark. And I love that strategy. I sometimes fall into that trap. I'm like, all right, this conversation, I'm not sure what's happening. I go into dude mode. I just repeat the last word back to whoever I'm talking to with a question mark. It's just brilliant. It feels really good. 
Well, it's brilliant. It's like, uh, you know, West Wing. You know, it's Sorkin. That's all he does. Somebody says something, and then the other character says part of it back to them. And they kind of go in this loop for a long time. Just repeating each other's words. Right. And whereas Sorkin is kind of like sharp in a way. Like the other person shoots it back sharp, almost like deflecting it back to them in some way. Even if it is maybe turned into like a a question. Yeah, it's sort of like a verbal tennis match in a way. Yeah. In this case, the dude, though, is just just like totally... It's no tennis match, right? No, It's no. more like the ball just bounced over his head and is now 20 feet behind him on or, the floor. And he's or just it's like, like what, what just happened? Inspector Cluzo getting handed the bomb when he opens the door and just holding the bomb there. Oh, can I thank... Well, you haven't seen Pink Panther movies, have you? No, I haven't. All right. But yeah, it's just it kind of lands, lands and just sticks there. Uh, and he kind of looks at it. Yeah. Uh, employed. 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 Vagina. <laughs> right. Jo- Johnson. <laughs> like. <laughs> coitus. It's wonderful. You mean coitus? <laughs> right. Yes, I love it. So this, I'm not sure. I think this might be the first instance of him doing that. In this case. Yeah, because Walter did it once with the, um, they peed on your, well, no, because Walter said it first. They peed on your rug. They peed on my fucking rug. That's right, dude. Right. They peed on your fucking rug. Well, that's more like the Sorkin-esque treadmill of dialogue. It's less like the, you know, that's, that's less like the tennis ball just whizzed. Not even by my head. It was like 10 feet away from my head. I didn't even notice there was a ball until I heard it bounce behind me. Right. Ball? Ball? Tennis? (laughs) Where am I? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Which, it's just wonderful. I don't know. It just makes me happy. Because that's what's going on in his fucking brain, though. He's like, you know, it's some moments he like bubbles up to the surface and like has a brief moment of clarity and it's like whoa 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 where am i wait what just happened what's because he just realized like he went off on like a drunken uh, stone to bejesus rant and basically stormed this old man's castle so it's like he has these moments where he realizes i'm in over my head a little bit here i don't know what i'm doing why am i here but soon enough, he sinks back down into just uh, rebel without a cause demeanor, I guess. I don't know. Right. No, definitely. He goes into the... Is that... Well, he has the employed issue, and then, yeah, he totally then, you know, turn, start things to turn it around, right? And we talked about this last time. And the whole, you know, you're... This aggression will not stand. You know, just because your wife owes money around town. My wife. Wife. But, you know, again, the dude is getting in trouble here. And I was thinking about that more also. Just how, you know, he's with Walter, right? And it makes, like, perfect sense. Right? Like, of course. She owes money all around town. Young trophy wife. Why is he getting punished for that? Yeah, you know ex- exactly. And then it's like, but then you take this line of reasoning, right? You got to be careful where you take that and who you take that to. 
Because even though it made perfect sense in the bowling alley, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily make sense in the titular Lebowski's office. A study, even, I would say. Yes. It's probably more a study than an office, even. Are you employed? Employed? <laughs> employed. You don't go out dressed like that looking for a job on a weekday? Is this a... So, uh, that's the other thing I wanted to mention. He... So he kind of gets cornered here about, you know, are you employed? Are you looking for a job? Why do you look like that? This is a weekday. What are you doing? And all of a sudden, the dude's looking for backup. He, like, turns around. Is this a weekday? He turns around, and it's like he's looking for Brant back there. Right. Or he's looking for that tennis ball that whizzed by his head. It's one or the other. It's either the tennis right. ball or it's Brant. Yeah. Because he looks right to where Brant used to be standing. But Brant kind of, like, sneaked his way out there once yeah. the dude, you know, sat down. So at, at this point, the titular Lebowski's being so aggressive and confrontational that the dude thinks of Brant as an ally. It's like that's his friend that he's looking to for a little bit of support here. Like, you know, well, help me out. Is this a weekday? Not trying to scam anybody. I think it's funny because, you know, he and Brant were not, you know, real tight there for that minute, minute and a half they were together on screen. But the titular Lebowski is just so aggressive that Brant looks like a teddy bear right. in comparison. Yeah. And this is even before the titular Lebowski really lets loose. Right, right. It's just the beginning, right? This is almost just like the build-up at this point. Right. And the actual, like, letting loose happens pretty much at the end of last minute and brings us into this minute. Right. So now we can begin officially the discussion. Let's, let's begin. Of minute 15. Unless you wanted to keep revisiting. I mean, we could just do uh, two episodes per minute at this point if you wanted to. I think we're good. We could go back and just do like 1.5, 2.5, 3.5 and just do a corollary episode for each minute. Well, we could do like a meta podcast where we go back, listen to each episode and then kind of critique it, critique our own <laughs> podcast. You know, re-listen to it and point out holes in the logic. <laughs> or we can even analyze our own podcast minute by minute. Well, that's what I so thought you were take, talking about. Yeah, it would take 50 minutes to just talk about our own podcast. <laughs> All right, there's our second project. It's done. It's done. That's oh, it. <laughs> How long would that take? <laughs> 600 years? Something like that. Well, you know, it's about... I'll just shoot 70 minutes on average times, you know, 118 would be a lot. <laughs> 70 times 118 is 82.60. And if we divide that then by 52, let's say do an episode a week, it would only take 158 years. You know, with modern medicine, what it is. 
It's not completely out of the realm of possibility, right? No. If we did ten episodes a week, it yeah, only take us. It would only take us fifteen years. Well, there you go. You know. But that might be a little crazy. We have to, let's say one episode a day, twenty-two years. All right. Or took- two ep- two episodes a day. 11 years. Okay, that's a little more reasonable. Two episodes a day, 11 years. If if we're going to record in a given day, you might as well record two. Yeah. If you're recording one, you might as well record two. Exactly. <laughs> so that's so that's the next project. So to get through the first one. Yes. Here, uh, yeah, let's, because uh, it's going to, you know, we're... At episode 15, sure, but there's, what, 118 episodes of this thing? Or 119. Do you know? Can you do that quickly? Have you got the logical formed out in your head? How many episodes will there be? Well, if it's 118 minutes and zero seconds, that's 118 episodes. But, you know, I don't know the exact length here. Neither do I. Well, hey, let me look really quick. I have on iTunes here, if I go all the way to the very end... I'm scared to go that all the way no, to the That end. made no sense. Makes no that, sense? What do you mean? 157, or one hour and 57 minutes, and 12 seconds. All right, so, yeah. So, so 117. So, yeah. 118 uh-huh. episodes, right? It would be 118 episodes. The last episode, we would just be talking about tw- the last 12 seconds. Which might be nothing more than just black. Or just a little logo that says, like, soundtrack available on Giffen Records. But I think we could. That, that sounds like it would actually be a pretty cool episode. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that episode. Yeah, we might have to do, like, one wrap up episode, maybe, where we, like, do the look back. Right, I t- we talked about doing a like a clips episode, you know, yep. highlight episode. But let's reel it back in here. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We are. Geffen Records. They might not even be in business anymore by the time we're finished with this thing. So exactly. This is not really a revisitation because this this is more of a just a broad film versus digital thing Mm -hmm. but I wanted to talk about it's just that I first noticed it in the last minute when I was rewatching and rewatching because I was looking at items I I think it was on the titular Lebowski's desk it's like the cigars or something was right on the bottom edge of the frame and I was just looking at the picture and it's jumping all around. Jittering. jittering. You don't really notice it if you're just kind of like, your eyes are glazing over and you're just watching the movie. You're looking at the faces. You're looking at where you're supposed to be looking. But if you focus on these little details, in particular the ones at the edges of the frames, if there's, you know, like a, like the cigar or the bell or like a hard shape at the edge of the frame you can see the whole frame like shaking all around like jittering and juddering 
I think that's what they call it. Judder, you said, right? Judder? Well, Judder might be... Well, keep talking. I, I mean, I think Judder might, uh, may be something different, but I'm not sure. Well, I, rec- I know what this is. I've never noticed it. Like, I don't usually notice it. But I know what this is, and it's when they transfer the film to whatever format, and maybe they do... I'm not really... I don't know enough about the process, but they they have to run the film through some sort of projector or telecine machine, which goes through a gate, and the film has perforated edges, like holes, registration holes on both sides. And the way it works is a you know a device slams in two straight rods into the holes. And like brings it down, clunk, and clunks it into place, and bam! It there's one frame, and you capture that, and it brings it down, slams it into place, captures another frame. The two rods go into the holes, slams it down, capture another frame. This shaking is registration anomalies. It's registration anomalies. So the posts go into these holes, but there is a little bit of give there. Like, they don't just fit tight tight as a drum all the way around that. So every time a frame is put into place and captured, it's just a fraction of a centimeter off each time. Like, a little different. A little to the left, a little up, a little down and to the right. And it just gives this impression of like organic sort of life to it i think and this might be another one of things that is so off-putting maybe about it should be in all digital acquisition probably in particular high frame rate maybe because there's so many more frames it's just more of it but film has this sort of organic like moving around like it's almost like you know your head is always moving around you you can it's impossible right. to keep perfectly still all the time like you're moving around and film has this because of this artifact that's uh, sort of an accidental artifact from these registration errors not even errors not an error it's just part of the process like it's not going to be perfect but digital acquisition it's going to yeah. be rock solid, the same place, bam, bam, bam. It does not move. So maybe that's one of the things that is off-putting about digital as it opposed to It very well could be. I mean, I so I've never noticed this before either. Now that you've mentioned it, I'm looking. And I'm not just looking at this scene. I'm going back, revisiting other shots. Right. It's there in everything. Everything. And, it's always so, there. So, you know, just to maybe describe for the listeners... Well, yeah, the, maybe the just look worst how shot, you can though, notice this. The worst shot, though, not the worst. I say the one that's the most prominent in is the very last shot of this minute. The dude comes out of the titular Lebowski's office, and he starts walking down the hall, and we see a reverse shot. And this is a long shot down the hallway, and we see Brant walking towards us. If you look at that shot, this is what really, like, boom, blew me, blew me away. It's like it's moving all over the place. The whole frame is just moving all over. Which I don't know why that one's worse than the well, others. Well, is it a... 
I see that, but is that is that a, this registration error? I mean, that's very pronounced. Or is that something to do with the way it was shot? Like, it was I, shot somewhat yeah. handheld or to, like, simulate f- the footsteps. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think so. But the first thing that occurred to me was like, oh, man, they messed up that camera move. But really? You know? Right. You're going to take a less than excellent show it's not even like you have to really match the dialogue to p.s hoff's mouth he's so far away so you could pretty much take any shot you would take the best camera move and you only did it once and you screwed up i mean i don't think so i think it's just like a particularly egregious registration thing i don't know it's hard to say but i mean you can see this if you look pretty much at any shot where the camera is still just look at the a side of a frame and look at something else in the shot close to it. You'll just notice, yeah, it gets closer and further from the edge of the frame. Right, it's moving Constantly all moving around, slightly moving. And I think noticing that, I mean, I think that's critical. I think, I, I just think you need that. Like, again, it makes it seem like alive. It makes it seem somehow real. The thing is, you could do that to your digital picture. Right. And for all, who knows, maybe there's probably, a, you know, some kind of uh, digital filter to do that. Yeah, it's called the Wiggler in After so, Effects. I mean, does it do it that subtly? It can. You can. Like you wouldn't even notice it? You can control it, sure. You can I mean, do, it, like, you know. It, is that fu- the express purpose of that filter, or is it just... It's designed to change values over given ranges of time. So... For instance, you can change uh, x scale along the x-axis and the y-axis uh, so many times per second to this degree. You can make it soft, like soft movements, easing in and easing out, jagged movements. So you would make it a very small amount, and you would make it ease in and out of those values, and you would do it, you know, every like twice every second or something. But that is its express purpose, is to change values over given periods of time. Over any property, basically. Any property being the scale of the image, the position of the image, the rotation of the image, or all of them together. But the just the mind-boggling tediousness of trying to do that to something that doesn't have that inherently in it, it's not like you have well, to try to do that to a piece of film, you know, it just right. has it. Well, that's why I would think there'd be something like film emulation, right? And there's, I, I've seen lots of film emulation. Yeah, I don't use think emulation do with quote with quote marks around it because, you know, <laughs> right. you really can't emulate film. But you can kind of, right, digital. Some things are better than others. But, yeah, you can, you know, and that's all the rage right now, you know, with the whole Instagram and everything, too. Even though I would say that's not really emulating Film, it's more emulating, I don't know, degradation, something else. But yeah, it's that idea though that you're taking something and inherently removing quality from it, yet somehow creating something better or something better in some regard, right? And I think yeah. this is an example of that. And I, I you know, why well, this, not, right? This why isn't not? an example of that because they didn't, this is not artificial, they didn't put this like some sort of glaze over the top of right, it, right, right. But it's an example of how something that is 
maybe by the book, by the numbers, inherently worse, right? Like, the screen shouldn't be wiggling all around. The, the, the image shouldn't be wiggling constantly. If you were taking but a quiz is. and they were asking you, should it wiggle around or not, you would say, no, it shouldn't wiggle around. You know, you're in film school or something. No, it shouldn't be moving all over. Yet there it is. Now, I wonder if this effect is more pronounced if you were to watch a film print projected in a theater of this movie. So here we are, we're watching the, you know, the DVD or the Blu-ray or the Netflix version or whatever. It's got this judder in it or this the shimmy. I'll call it the shimmy. Mm-hmm. So... I guess you wouldn't have a double shimmy because the film print is the film print. It fills up the each frame, each uh, right. each area of film. So disregard that. No, no. But I mean, and this is related. So, so the term judder. I mean, I hear that used usually to refer to when a camera pans. Right. Oh, and again, that. on film, you have twenty-four frames a second. The camera pans. Twenty-four frames a second just isn't enough. Everything gets kind of blurry and and you notice this judder in the sense that it doesn't seem smooth like if you look at it it's almost like the thing we're talking about you don't know it's there until you go to look at it but as the camera pans it is kind of like jerky like as it goes definitely but we're used to it we're accustomed to it we're used to it well I'll go back to say when it moves and it's smooth there's something about that that is jarring to me yeah and again, just like all this, I, I don't know if that's just because I grew up, you know, I grew up looking at everything juddering and when it's not there. Again, when I see it not judder, it makes me think of video because video doesn't do the judder or not as much. And when I see even it's even though it's like super high frame rate, high quality, high definition, whatever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't judder. I'm like, ooh, that looks like soap opera all of a sudden. I think it's probably the same thing with these this shimmy, right? That you lose the shimmy, and it's like the screen it's just too static. Like it doesn't seem alive. It just seems like It's weird though. Perfectly static. It's just wrong. It's off putting somehow. Why doesn't this this is like a some kind of sophomore question, but why doesn't video even video shot at like twenty four P or twenty three nine seven six why doesn't it have the same judder that film has? You can shoot full frame, you know, progressive frame, just, you know, not interlaced, so you're not shooting separate fields to make a frame. You can just shoot frames of video, but, but it doesn't have that same judder. That is a question I can't answer. Me either. Because I don't know. But I will say, if you do 24p... On a digital camera, I believe. Well, I'm not sure. I'm going to get in trouble by saying something wrong, but I believe you get judders. Not the same way. It just doesn't. But maybe yeah. it's just a combination, like all the things adding up. Maybe that's only one of the variables in the equation. Probably. You got your dynamic range and your. Just the mm-hmm. the grain, the look, the um, I don't even know what else. It's probably just one of many factors, I guess. 
I'd say that 24P does look vastly different than 2997. Yeah, it does. Qualitative difference there. And, and I, I don't know. It's a mystery. I mean, I think it has a lot to do with psychology. We should get a psychologist on the show. A, what would you call that? Like a cinema, I don't know, psychocinemologist or something. A mediacologist. Psychomedia analyst. Anyway. Anyway. So that's the shimmy. That's the shimmy. But especially in, if you're going to go look at it, the uh, long dolly shot of Brant, which I can't imagine is a mistake on the camera operator's part. No, I don't think it's a mistake. I think they wanted it there on purpose, but it could have been something. Because some of these shots, like if you notice, like, you know, it's a it's kind of a static shot, but then it kind of moves like... I know, okay, well, I'm getting ahead of myself now, but in the next minute when he's talking to Bunny, right, because I was just watching as we were talking looking, you know, like, we're looking at Bunny, it's kind of static, and then the camera just kind of lulls a little bit, just moves. It's like, oh, this was on. I don't know. But that's sort of like... And it's you know, a very organic movement. It's almost it's very smooth, and it kind of doesn't just pan, but it kind of pans over and moves to the left a little bit at the same time. But that's an organic moment, a more organic moment than what we were experiencing inside the mansion, too. You have True. to admit, like this is a very like staid, sort of stuffy. Yeah, but we're experiencing that from the dude's point of view. We don't know how blasted his brain is. Yeah, I just it's not pronounced enough to make me believe that they did that on purpose. Well, I think, you know, a good, you know, it could be one of these things that you don't even notice is there, yet it has a psychological effect on some regard. I just think it's a, you know, a byproduct of, like, transferring the film to the digital media. Yeah, I mean, it could be. I don't know. But in either case, I feel like you need it. Let's talk about this minute now for real. Let's actually get started on it. Let's do it. At the end of the previous minute, the titular Lebowski says, My wife is not the issue, and slams down on the table. That's the like pretty much the very end of the previous minute, yes? Yes. And it the the dude like ooh jumps back kind of scared right yeah his knee goes up yes yes I wait your confirmation I said yes his okay. knee goes up he's scared a little scared when we cut back to the titular Lebowski there are pretty sizable dust motes cascading sort of like falling back down to the surface of the desk as if they'd been upset and ejected into the air about his desk and are now falling back down to his desk and i counted at least seven or eight of these things and they're big 
the reason I bring this up is twofold. Number one, I have tried to create this effect of giant dust motes hanging about in the air on film and on video. I've tried to create this effect. I have never been successful. It's very difficult to capture a particle that small and have it show up in the frame of your movie. Here's the dust moat hanging around. Very difficult to do that. Probably a lot easier when you're using Panaflex 35mm cameras and not like a DV camera, but that's neither here nor there. I'm just saying it's difficult. I have to say, I was just looking at that shot while you were talking about eight times. And I was like, where are the dust motes? But I just, I just think I just found one. Yeah. So they're there. They're there. But it's, you got really got to look. Well, again, you're looking at the iTunes version, which is true. admittedly lower quality. Very true. So you look at that on your, your big ass TV, you'll see them and they're very apparent. Second reason I mentioned this, <clears throat> last minute, it threw me off a little bit because the titular Lebowski slams down on his desk, and this is his moment of like, bam, I'm going to put you in your place. We, You don't even see his hand make contact with the desk. So his moment of like, I'm slamming you into place, you don't see it. They cut to the dude before his hand hits the desk. Here is my theory. My theory is they had sort of like a practical effect ready where he would hit the desk and dust would kind of fly up into the air for two reasons. Number one, it would be more impactful, like, bam, look, I just hit the desk real hard. Number two, he doesn't come into his study all that often, let alone use his desk. So it's kind of got a covering of dust on it. But it just didn't look right. They didn't want to use it. It's like, oh, that kind of looked dumb. It's like, well, let's cut to uh, Bridges. He's got a great reaction there. And then they right. cut back, but you just see a couple of the dust motes coming down. Right. Well, I think part of this has to do with what we talked before about how you kind of have to cut a, a little early. Or sometimes when you cut, you have to re... You know, we were talking about with the, with the pin hitting, right? Yeah. But it's like, you see... Bridges reaction you see him like jump out of his chair and it's like you need to see him do that at the same time you hear the bang right like so if you he went bang and then you would cut to bridges it would be like that's a good point it, it wouldn't it would just be off you'd have to see him already in his reaction plus I did not notice this right now until re-looking at that but <clears throat> Bridges the dude has his hands in the air because he's in the middle of like gesticulating, right? Your your wife owes money all over town. Right. When they cut to back to him, and this is maybe one of these things I can only notice because I have the volume all the way off. I'm just looking at the picture now. Like that shot starts, and there's only like such a small amount, right? A handful of frames. His hands are up, like he's in mid gesticulation. 
And then when that sound happens, I assume it's with the sound. I can't hear it, but, you know, so that shot going back to the dude, his hands are in the air. He's, like, you know, still doing his thing. And then all of a sudden, his hands, like, fly up in the air. They just go from kind of being out, like, like your wife, and then, bam, they fly up in the air with surprise. And it's like, I never really noticed that. Like, if you see one of those frames, like, of his hands, like, up in the air, it's very bizarre. Like, I, I don't remember ever seeing his hands thrown up in the air like they're just really far up there yeah it's just really there like like you know like again with the shock and the surprise of the bang like it totally gets him off guard like do you ever have that happen like something scares you and you actually literally yeah. jump in the air a little bit like that's what happened to him his hands flew up his legs fly up off the ground yeah i do it to my mom all the time i'll hide behind a door or something scare her and she like Ah, arms go up in the air, feet go flailing out, you know? Yeah, I'm well aware of it. Yeah. Then my yeah, daughter well, does it to me, and I almost crap my pants, and I get yeah. pissed. Where'd you learn that, I say? I learned it from you, all right? I learned it from watching you, she says. We can move on. It's matching the sound. I think it's a genius yes. observation. Yes. So we're, you know, past 40 minutes. Well, time to stop, time I guess. Time to stop, but we're only like one-tenth of the way through. Well, here, but no, we can't but do that fine. yet. We, we keep got, going. We got some things we got to cover still. Yes. Uh, I mean, I got some things. Do you want to go or go? Go. go. No, oh, let's okay. go. Right. We're, we're in it to win it. We're doing it live. <laughs> Just we're we're doing like yeah. The time is inconsequential. The titular of the best. I wouldn't say it's inconsequential, but it's tertiary. It's tertiary, right? The titular Lebowski went out and achieved. And he says he didn't blame anyone for the loss of his legs. Some Chinaman took them in Korea. There's so many things wrong with that. Where to begin? Well, I don't know if there's that much wrong with it. Really? I mean, well, to start, the word Chinaman, again, is reused, right? The previous scene in the bowling alley. There it is. It had the word Chinaman. And who used it first? The dude. Who used yes. it after that? Walter. They both use it. And now right. the titular Lebowski is using it independently of them. Right, and we talked about, you know, him, the, the titular Lebowski being kind of like Walter. You know, Walter was like, Chinaman is not the preferred nomenclature, right? But then he goes right I, back I, to using it again. Right. Walter is a is more progressive. He's of the next, you know, he's like a generation past the titular Lebowski. So yes. he's a little more, sen- he's a little more with the political correctness, with the proper, you know, the, the, the you know, the more appropriate. He prefers uh, to call Germans krauts and not sausage eaters, for instance. Yes. He's hip. He's with it. But... Chinaman in Korea, it does sound funny at first, but China did fight against the U.S. in the Korean War. 
So it's not actually that. You know, it occurred to off. me that I, I wondered if maybe that was the case, but I said, nah. Nah, I don't right. look, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So I didn't bother looking it up, but is yeah. that true? So China fought against the U.S. forces in Korean yes. War. Hmm. Yeah, North Korea was supported by the People's Republic of China in the war, and the Chinese did intervene um, for some time, in which case... Um, you know... There was like, you know, I guess something happened, and I'm going to probably butcher history here because all I know is what I quickly got. The historians. Yeah, so all I got is what I quickly got from doing a couple internet searches here, Googling a little bit. But apparently, yes. Um, I haven't done any Google searches. I am abiding by that. We're we're fighting the Korean War, Korean War, the United States is, United States soldiers are there. Then. the war is going, however it's going, but then the Chinese inter- intervened and it goes downhill for the U.S. forces at first because they were fighting originally North Koreans and ready to battle their forces. Then all of a sudden there's masses of Chinese troops. They phalanx them, take them from the rear? And they, um, they took it. This page here... History from the history.army.mil. It says. There's a dot mill? There's a dot mill for military, yeah. They came out of the hills near Unsan, North Korea, blowing bulges in the dying light of day on the 1st November 1950, throwing grenades and firing their, quote, burp, end quote, guns at the surprised American soldiers of the 8th Cavalry Regiment, 1st Cavalry Division. Those who survived the initial assaults reported how shaken the spectacle of mass Chinese inf- infantry had left them. I, I don't think that kind of thing happens anymore. Like, a mass of, like, tens of thousands, if not more, like, soldiers, like, just coming up over a hill and catching you completely unawares. I just don't think that well, happens anymore. Maybe not anymore, but this was ni- 1950. No, I know. It's, I'm just saying it's like... This is the 1st of November, 1950. might as well have been like 1500. In some ways, that's true. Strangely I mean, enough. Think about it. You could have just like 100,000 soldiers come up over a hill. They're half a mile away. You didn't even know any of them were there. It's crazy. Right, or maybe they knew they were there, or they knew something was happening, but until you actually see them. But yeah, it is surprising. Thousands of Chinese had attacked from the north, northwest, and west against scattered U.S. and South Korean units moving deep into North Korea. The Chinese seemed to come out of nowhere as they swarmed around the flanks and over the defensive positions of the surprised United Nations troops. Probably killing some of them. Here and there. I bet you. I bet people were dying a little bit. Yes, exactly. So, so a Chinaman could but, have taken his could, legs okay. in Korea. So that's fine. But, but it kind of ruins that for me because I used to like to just think that guy was an idiot for saying that. Yeah, me too. But maybe he still was because I'm of the opinion that the titular Lebowski, like... 
fell off a ladder or something changing a light bulb in the office. Right. That's how I want to think he got paralyzed. I don't think he was out on the battlefield. And anyway, he's like, I don't blame anyone for the loss of my legs. Some Chinaman took them in Korea. So I'm not blaming anybody except the Chinaman that (laughs) took them. I'm not blaming anybody. Now I'm blaming this guy. He's just a walking contradiction. That was another thing wrong with that, let alone the um, yes. obvious you know, derogatory nature of the phrase. But he says he's not blaming anybody, and then he immediately follows that up by blaming the Chinaman. Again, it's the verbal, the verbal play here in the dialogue. It's part of what makes the movie so wonderful. It is. I just... It's a sort of a weird experience to watch it with the subtitles on, too. You can kinda, right. You can kind of see how, like, dry and... Like, how a different... Maybe, uh... I won't give any initials, but maybe the name is J.W. Director might direct this movie and how shitty it might be. Like, if it was a different director whose name but not initials would be JW here's the script now make the movie you could end up with a shitty movie but the Coens they know how to turn those words into gold JW Joss Whedon oh for some reason I was stuck on like John Whipple I was like I was like, who? <laughs> yeah, no, I was like, wait, was that his? And I was like, who, wait, who made Batman and Robin? Joel someone. Was his name with a W? Joel Woomacher. Joel Woomacher, right, yeah. <laughs> John Whipple makes some shitty movies, too, but I don't think he, as yeah. shitty as Joss Whedon. I will say with Joss, well, I'm not going to talk about Joss Whedon. I Thank have some you. comments on that, but. Let's just do it. Just, just do it. Just go ahead. I <laughs> I will say Joss Whedon's Joss Whedon dialogue does not like if it's not Joss Whedon directing it, I think it can somehow really be bad. Like I know for example um some of the really horrific lines in X-Men, the original X-Men movie. Well, I guess I don't know. May have been Joss Whedon's lines, right? Um, You're saying when he directs his own scripts, it's good? Well, because he knows how to... I'm just saying that it's very easy to get it wrong. You read it on the page, right? And it might come out very dry or wrong. I I noticed this also with... um, So, like, for example, in X-Men... There was the line where Storm says to Toad, you know, you know what happens when a frog gets hit by lightning? Same thing as any everything else, or something to that effect. And it makes no sense. It's a horrible line, right? But if you were to say, okay, now imagine, say that line as if Buffy said it, it suddenly somehow works. And I was recently reading uh, Joss Whedon's run on the X-Men comic books which was really, really awesome, and it's kind of ruined all like superhero comics for me because it was so enjoyable. I've never really enjoyed 
superhero comics that much. But at the same time, some of the exchanges in there, I had to read like six times, so I did not understand. I was like, I don't understand what is going on with these words. Like, I don't understand. And some of them I still don't understand. Some of them I had to read it a couple of times and just be like, oh, I get it now. Like, and I have to put myself in like, okay, say it like it's a Joss Whedon movie, and then all of a sudden it makes sense. I'll just leave it at that. Let us continue to the next point. I'm sorry, I was watching Breaking Bad. What were you talking about? You're talking about Joss Whedon and superhero comics? Okay, well, you know, Walter White's an asshole, so that's what I know. Uh, next point, right. That's a her problem, not a mine. YP, not MP. I keep trying to make connections between Paul Thomas Anderson and the Coen brothers. I failed miserably because I thought the same guy that shot this movie shot Magnolia. I was wrong. Here is the loosest, most ridiculous connection I can make. The titular Lebowski says, blah, 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 bunny, her allowance, which is ample. If she can't manage that, that's her problem, not mine, just as the rug is your problem, blah, blah, blah. So her problem, not mine when in the records recording studio and Dirk Diggler and Chest Rockwell have recorded their fantastic album and they just want to get the tapes so that they can get some records pressed the studio won't release them to them because they have not paid their bill and you know Dirk Diggler's like listen man there's gold gold on those tapes you might own the physical tapes but not the magic on them and the producer's like that's a YP not an MP your problem not my problem YP MP I don't understand this industry jargon right that was Chest Rockwell's line very good very good line and delivery awesome line I, I don't understand all this industry jargon so that's a her problem not mine that's a YP, not an MP. I just, I don't know why I'm so intent on making connections between PTA and the Coens, but I keep trying. There's my latest attempt. Don't know if it's credible. So Boogie Nights not, was released before... 97. Yes, that was before Lebowski. Yeah. They both have Julianne Moore. There you go. There's something. Didn't occur to me before. Yes, very good. They both uh, deal in some way with pornography. Very true. Hmm. Okay, okay. P. Hoff. P. S. Hoff. P. S. Hoff is in both. Yep, yep. Which we mentioned. So, yeah. If only Burt Reynolds was in Big Lebowski. Why, why isn't Burt Reynolds in more movies? I don't know. He's not dead. He was in... I believe he's actually very ill. By the time this episode is released, he might be dead. I hate he, to be so grim. He maybe did. He maybe did what? What did he or didn't he do? He maybe did. <laughs> Not alive anymore. Did something. Seriously, though? It said 
The, okay, this is from Saturday, January 26th. Burt Reynolds, feeling better but still in Florida ICU, rep said. That's he was dehydrated and suffering from flu symptoms and went into the hospital. But what's the latest? That was on the 26th of January. Wow. I mean, even in 97, Boogie Nights, he was strutting around like the lord of all creation. Oh, yeah. But I guess, you know, 16 years goes by pretty quick. It can, unfortunately. But he, uh... What about, uh... William H. Macy. So he was in Boogie Nights. He could have played... What if he was cast as the dude? Imagine (laughs) that alternate universe, right? Like, we all try to imagine the alternate universe where Tom Selleck was Indiana Jones. Oh, Uh, yeah. Imagine... Philip Seymour Hoffman with, like, long hair being the dude. I mean, I could almost see it. Oh, he'd do pretty good, I think. I mean, it would be a completely different movie in so many ways, but... It'd be a little more, like, like sleazier somehow. Yes. William H. Macy can be sleazy. He can be. Like, in Magnolia, he's just so, like, icky, like, oozy, like, icky. Trying to flirt with Brad the bartender... I love you, Brad, the bartender. You know, he's just like, ah, oh, man, yeah. you're going about it all gross. Right. Not, not the way to do it. Well, he has that show on Showtime now, which I've never seen, but I've seen, like, Shameless is the name of it. But I've seen, like, the, the ads and, you know, the images from there where he just plays, I guess, you know, this total loser, alcoholic guy. <laughs> and he looks, yeah, pretty... Yeah, sleazy. It'd be, yeah, not as lovable as the dude, for sure. More like if the dude was real. Like, if the dude was real... Well, he'd be like the real dude. (laughs) Right. Or, you know, if a guy that was like, you know, didn't have a job, wore these, like, stained t-shirts with holes in them. Like, I, I don't know. There's literally nothing lovable about that in yeah, real life. Like you Let's would face just it. you would try you would keep your distance probably in some way. I have people that are like half that. Their clothes are just you know, they're like marginally acceptable but kinda dirty. They just I don't know, they're like half the dude. And I try to keep my distance from those right. people. Let alone if they're full on dude. Like he would be like, I would start wondering if he was a mental patient. I'd be frightened, probably, a little bit. Yeah. Wouldn't let him around my family. Just keep your distance. So, and William H. Macy could play the dude if we wanted to do, like, Big Lebowski ultra-realistic version. Yeah, or, you know, Stevie B could play the dude. <laughs> really? He could totally yeah, play the Yeah, he could. Game. Oh, my God. So, well, there's an interesting thought experiment. Like, just shuffle the cast, right? Switch him around. Steve Buscemi. Buscemi. So, let me Buscemi. just quick interject. A little bit on the commentary. The Coens are talking, and they refer to Stevie B as Buscemi. 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 Mystery solved. Now, if the Coens can't pronounce it right, then, you know. Is it Buscemi or Buscemi. Bush, Buscemi. 
Sorry, Buscemi. Buscemi? Buscemi. 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 Yes. There we go. If the Coens are wrong, then I don't want to be right. Right. It's good follow-up. Good, good. We we actually closed a thread we opened in another episode. So many open loops. I'm very proud of us. (laughs) But we closed it up. Buscemi. So Buscemi... Yeah, imagine Buscemi is the dude. Walter... Or John Goodman as Donnie. <laughs> that Jeff, would be awesome. Jeff Bridges as uh, Walter. Walter. man. I could see it. I could totally... The hardest one to picture is probably Jeff Bridges as Walter. Just because John Goodman inhabits that role so perfectly. Right. Imagine... Just, yeah. Imagine if you get them back together, right? And you wouldn't recreate the movie, but do something, right? Maybe do like a... Uh, you know, rent out a, a theater and have them do like a reading, right, of the <laughs> film, but as the different characters. Right. Go one night only, charge admission. That's, you know, they could make some money. They could. We should they, uh, pitch this to them yeah. next Next time well, I talk to Jeff yeah. or, or Stevie, I'll bring it up. Right. They do that with The Princess Bride. I realize that might kill your like of this idea but shut the fuck up really yeah well what else is carrie elwes doing exactly but yeah so they do it and like some of the original cast is there and some are new people playing different roles and some of the original cast is there and but plays a different role so what role does andre the giant read well that's exactly it right he maybe did he maybe did so (laughs) He maybe did read a role. So anyway. PTA. I wrote some words and some numbers in our. We have the Google Doc. We kind of like enter some random thoughts in. Yes. I wrote some numbers and words there. I see those. <laughs> Can you read them? Uh, Eighteen feet. Fourteen point two. To 9.4 seconds. There you go. This is... I conducted some experiments. I got my tape measure out. I measured things. And I had my family members help me time things, for lack of a better word. Okay. Would you like to know what I was timing? How fast you could walk a certain distance, perhaps? Correct. Is this related to how far, like, Brant walks to the dude or something? Oh, you were doing so good. You were so close. This is, oh, I know what you're talking about, perhaps. Tell me. Is this the dude getting out of the chair, then suddenly he's at the door? Uh, yes. Mostly yes. It's mostly just after that where the dude is practically at the door and reaching for the handle and it takes a very, very long time and he's finally opening the door. So basically, I, we judged as best we could how far it was from the chair to the door and then we did several attempts at this and I would get up and like do my best dudely saunter over to the door and I had one person timing how long it took me 
to get from the chair to the door and another person timing how long screen time it took the dude to get from his chair to the door. Right. There's another little wrinkle, though, and this actually caused a bit of friction among the family members because one family member wanted to start... So the dude kind of throws his hands up and says, ah, fuck it, right? He doesn't quite get up or, like, start to get up yet. We cut back to the titular Lebowski. But the titular Lebowski starts to like look up and like follow the dude as he gets up and starts walking away. So although you don't see the dude get up, you see the titular Lebowski look up as if the dude is getting up. But when you cut back to the dude, he's in his chair still. It's just a way that the editor was like prolonging this sequence. He just wanted to kind of drag out the comedy of it to like because the titular Lebowski's delivering all these lines and like you know it's funny and you kind of want to let them hang in the air a little bit so they're stretching time it's just a way to stretch time so the titular Lebowski looks up you cut back the dude's still in the chair you can get away with it he gets up back to the titular Lebowski he's talking he's talking he's talking we're close on his face the dude is walking towards the door, practically at the door. Cut back to the titular Lebowski. We're on his face for like four more seconds. And the dude is still, we cut back, he's still reaching for the door. Cut to the reverse shot, he's opening the door. You know, they just, they made 9.4 actual seconds into 14.2 screen seconds. They added five seconds to like let this scene play out the way they felt it should right it's just nice editing it's like clever editing but it's pretty invisible i mean you certainly don't notice it unless it's pointed out and i think it's one of these things again if you watch with the sound off and you're just forced to do nothing but look at the images it you know becomes more apparent it does. Because you're like looking and you see the dude walking. He's practically at the door. Cut back to the titular Lebowski's face. He's going, going. Cut back. The dude is still like, he's only like one step closer to the door after all that time. Right. Right. And the titular Lebowski has delivered like an entire line, line and a half. Right. Like it's a full like three maybe five seconds and like the dude you know you just have to imagine that like when they cut away he just stopped and just stood there motionless right for four seconds and then like started walking again like i'll do that i'll walk in slow motion sometimes pretend i'm walking in slow motion maybe he just did that to kind of be an a-hole that's the only explanation for it but i don't get the feeling he was doing that it's just uh, clever editing. It's just clever editing. These are the things, you know, these are the things that go by unnoticed, like a real nice sound design, like those birds chirping or the titular Lebowski's wheelchair approaching for like 18 seconds right. or whatever that was. The invisible things that add up to create, you know, something greater than the sum of its parts. <clears throat> Well, the dude's wheel or the titular Lebowski's wheelchair is one of these, you know, things that adds to the realism, right? Yeah. It's actually there. Whereas the dude, this editing, 
is the reverse of that. You it's have like, to create this. Yeah, it's like removing the realism to create a new somehow, reality. Somehow, it's making a, a more true reality, even though it's not literally true. Right. It's more true in a more. It's filmically true. It's, it's one filmically that your true. Brain yeah. accepts as filmically true. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But you know, it's rare you get to point out or notice these little tricks because I find that I, when I watch movies in the theater or at home or wherever, I don't generally. I'm not looking for the artifice. I'm not trying to like see through it and point out all these contrary to popular belief, like I do in this minute by minute deal. I don't look for all this stuff. I tend to just let myself watch the movie and try to enjoy it. So, like, plot things that maybe some people say are obvious, I generally don't notice. I just don't notice anything. I just look at the movie. Um, so it's interesting to go, like we're doing, minute by minute, and start to break it down and see kind of behind the... Not behind the scenes, but kind of like break down how they're achieving this this effect and you have to create it like you said you have to create this it doesn't automatically exist they didn't just I think that's a misperception some people might have it, here's the footage we shot now you just go this shot this shot this shot boom you're done you have to pick and choose. Like, even looking how they cut back and forth between the dude and the titular Lebowski, they're hanging on the dude for a long time while the titular Lebowski is speaking. You know, why? They could cut back to the titular Lebowski. Or they cut back to the titular Lebowski just for a second while he, like, rolls his eyes or something. Like, you have to make all those decisions. And that's the editor doing most of that legwork. That's why there's an Academy Award for it, I guess. Being Knowing when to cut back for one second to the other guy. I'm done. Went on a little mini rant there. Sorry. You can talk, too. I, I don't have to. I'll shut up. So the dude puts on his glasses partway through this scene. Shields up. Yep. The, <laughs> the titular Lebowski's going crazy. The dude puts on his glasses. It's like, yeah, he just puts a barrier. There's also when he just kind of like, you know, he just tunes the guy out. Right. Done with you. Oh, fuck it. <laughs> just stands up and walks out. Yes, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the titular Lebowski relishes getting to say fuck. You know? He, I think in his day-to-day, -day, he doesn't get chances to say fuck. But if somebody just said fuck, and he can, like, put quotation marks around it, then he can say fuck. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to say fuck. It's like a free pass. 
free pass to say fuck. And he takes it, you know? He doesn't turn his nose up at that. Who would? Certainly not me. Oh, <laughs> yes. Fuck it. It's kind of like another Coen Brothers moment when William H. Macy, he's at the car dealership, he's trying to sell those two fine, uh, you know, Fargo natives the vehicle and trying to talk them into the true coat. Yes. And now that true coat, now, he ain't, he ain't never done this before. He's going to knock $100 off that true coat. And then, you know, those two plain folk are there. And, you know, a good Christian man, you can tell. And he just looks at William H., who's trying to fuck him over. And he looks at him and is like, you're a liar. A fucking liar. It's, you could tell, like, he even surprised yeah. himself. Oh, did I just say that? You know, you take, you do it. There's just only so many moments in your life where you can actually drop the, the F-bomb. You take advantage of it when you can. Yeah, let's fuck it. He's like a judge. He's like casting down his judgment, the titular Lebowski. He starts really, like, getting into it. He's really savoring this. Yes. He loves to dress down a bum. Nothing better. Jobless, after all. Right. And again, a chance to lord over this person. He has so few opportunities. Maybe he has lots of opportunities, right? Maybe that's how he spends his time. Eh, Maybe. But who would he lord over? Not his wife. No, he would just go out on the town and look for homeless people to shout at. <laughs> Brent, find me some homeless people. Right. Here's a quote from Ethan Cohen. Again, I'm watching some of the extra features on the Blu-ray, which could have saved us, in the end, probably 160 hours of our lives. But, quote, the dude is the least well-equipped to handle the situation, end quote. <laughs> Which, we said that, you know? We did. Well, which situation is he talking about? It. The whole movie. <clears throat> right. Basically. You know, he here is the situation that's happening. Who's the least well-equipped to handle it? A guy like the dude. Let's put him in there. And they were talking about the whole Chandler thing. And they were trying to take the Chandler thing, but just instead of like some hard-nosed, you know, private investigator got like, you know, sort of toughened by the streets, you just have this kind of loser there. They talked about, yeah, Dashiell Hammett, Chandler, the dude, private investigators, dude being ill-equipped to handle the situation. They just basically uh, recapping everything we said. But I guess it works the other way. Because that came out first. <sighs> Again, we're rehashing, but it's, it's good and bad. You have to trust us that we didn't know that, I guess. It is odd. It is. It... Yeah, I don't know. 
Here I was thinking we didn't really have much insight to offer yet. We're practically right on creating the director's commentary. <laughs> For real. They wouldn't now these guys wouldn't hang out with Donnie except he's probably a good bowler. Really? He said that. Or you could just say the other way around and say, like, that it's the worst director's commentary and only points out the most obvious things that anyone who would watch the movie would instantly know. <laughs> Maybe. They refer to Walter's outfit, uh, the mandatory California cargo shorts. Mandatory California cargo shorts. Shorts? Shorts. Shorts. I have a lot of cargo shorts. I have, you know, uh, maybe two to three pairs of cargo shorts. That's they have like pockets on them and stuff, right? Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm imagining. I would say I have ten of them. Do you wear them? All of them? And I would say in the summer, it's almost all I wear. But I mean, do you? You go ten. You go through ten shorts before others are cleaned. See, because I can wear a pair of cargo shorts more than one day. Let's face it here. That's like that's a lot of days in a row. Possibly, I could wear a pair of cargo shorts if I'm on vacation. I'm just gonna wear that pair of shorts the entire time. I don't even take them off. I sleep in them. Ten pairs of cargo shorts? It could last me the rest of my life. Yeah, in the summer, I don't know. I might try to engage with the heat a little bit. Yeah, that gets Go dicey. for, you know, some bike rides up some hills and stuff. And then they just get, like, so sweaty. It's just like, well, as soon as I get home, I just have to take them off. Yeah, that's dicey. You got to do that. Yeah. Touché. Touché. But other than that, yeah, I could probably roll with them more than a day. I had something else I wanted to say. I wish I could remember what it was. Uh. You have one thing. I think there's one thing left in our little Google Doc. What was it? Which I really like. We should have gone to it earlier. Because I thought it was brilliant when I saw it. How the rich Lebowski Ugh. tells the dude... Well, that's a you good... Know, solve your own problems. I cannot solve your problems, sir. Only you can do that. That's right. That's right. right. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, that's when he disengages and says, All right, that's what I'll do then. I'm just doing what you tell me to do. <laughs> so he goes out and takes his rug. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, that, was, uh, that was my wife's... Insight. I can't take credit for that. I wish I could. You know, it's like everybody well, starts chiming in by the, you know, you watch the minute for the 27th time in a row yeah. in the living room. It's like my daughter's giving shit, my mom's giving shit, the wife's giving, everybody's in there. The dog's licking my ass. I don't even know. Everybody's got their own ideas. But that was one. That was a good one. That's I good. cannot solve your problems. Only you can. Okay. See ya. Told me to take any rug in the room. Rug in the house. So, yeah. Well, 
Extra points to Leslie then, because I thought that was that's a good catch. That's a good one. It's a very good catch. Never noticed that one before. Yeah, I never thought of it that way, but it's it's right on. It's perfect. Try as I might, I could not find any incriminating reflections in the titular Lebowski's glasses or the dude's glasses as he exits the room. I mean, there's a big silk there in the dude's glasses, like a big square of light, you know, but whatever, you know, no big deal. Couldn't really, I thought for sure, because we're so close on people now, I thought for sure I'd see like, you know, a boom, you know, a guy holding a boom or something. Nothing. So, good work. Good work, Cohen's. All right, we're ready to put a bow on this one. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. I believe so. Let's do it. You know, for not having anything to talk about, uh, we we talked a lot, I guess. We did. <laughs> Enough to uh, fill up a whole. Hello. Poop deck. Poop deck. See what I was doing there? Enough to fill up a hole, and then I was like leaving the pregnant pause where you would say. I just thought you'd cut out because you had done that a couple times during this episode. Yeah, you had too. So, but I just kept talking to try to fill it in. Yeah, so I, I'm really praying that the recording is not effed. Well, just stop it and check it, man. Well, that's what we need to do. All right, let's do it. All right, so let's poop deck it out. Poop deck it. Poop. Next time on Gutter Balls. Billy doesn't care about anything. He's a nihilist. Oh, that must be exhausting. 